welcome to episode 146 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty, and with me as always are Matt Cassell. Hello. And Ian Sharper. Hello. It is Monday night, March 28th. And tonight we're going to review Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Uh, is that the title? Yeah, mm-hmm. Batman v Superman, Dawn of Dawn, Justice. Dawn of Justice. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Uh, me and our friend Justin went out Friday night and saw it. McSauce Field Trip was Saturday night, so we all saw it. Ian skipped work today in the middle of his work day to go see it a second time. I left a half an hour early. Does your boss listen to this show? Because you are in trouble. Oh, I know, right? That's how dedicated he is to what's important in life. Yeah, that's how unemployed he is. I needed to recalibrate my mind. I needed to get all my thoughts straight. I think Ian's happiness is what's most important. And if he's most happy seeing Ben Affleck's perfectly chiseled form doing pull-ups and curls in the Batcave, that's where he needs to be. Bat CrossFit. Before we get to Bat CrossFit, we like to start with housekeeping with Ian Sharpley. We'll clean this house up real quick here. Those of you that know us know to find us at McSauce.com. Webcomics, podcasts, reviews, all kinds of fun stuff at McSauce.com. You can follow us on the Facebook page. The podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Podomatic, and the classic episodes at McSaucePodcast.Libsyn.com. So let's just jump right into the Batman v Superman-ness. The internet has been at war for days now over this movie, so I figure it's time for the civil minds of the McSauce comic book podcast to have their ruling on this. I don't even know what you guys think about this movie, because when we went to go see it, it was very late. Easter was the next day. I had to go home and get some sleep. So we didn't really stand around and talk about it. You had to be up for the, for the Easter Bunny. I had to be up for the Easter Bunny. Did the Easter Bunny bring you a basket this year, Sharply? They did. Brought me all kinds of good treats. And gift cards and stuff oh, like oh, that. Oh, shit. So, fun times. So we went to the theater and we promptly left. We didn't really have any kind of conversation. So this is the first time that I will get to hear what you guys are thinking about this movie. I stayed away from online chatter all week and since there was a serious lack of new podcasts today i haven't heard i really haven't heard anything like i know it's i know on the surface it's been pretty divisive i've heard some brief reviews that like it i didn't think they would and i've heard people slam it when I, i didn't think they would the overwhelming majority of reviews that came out initially were negative as fuck. And I didn't read any of that stuff until after I saw it, but I was aware of it because there was just a... It was unavoidable on the internet. The reviewers were putting their thoughts and feelings right into the title. They were slamming it with the worst movie of all time and what a shit show and now they're gonna have to restart this whole thing like right in the title. So there was no avoiding what the general thoughts of critics were. What the sense I got from Marvel fan favorite Brian Michael Bendis today was that the critics have been harsh on this movie while fans have been pretty positive. 
So, and you know, I, I feel like that's. Did Brian Michael Bendis like it? I, he didn't say. He pretty much said that don't listen to the critics. If, well, if, if you, word of mouth is what's getting it done, then you know, like it if you like it. If you want the thoughts of other comic book royalty, Rob Liefeld thought that the movie wasn't without its flaws. Um, and he was quick to point out, but he's not just a Marvel fanboy, although one might suspect that he is given the way that he left DC Comics the last time and his love affair with Deadpool lately. But I was going to say, or given who signs his paychecks. Deadpool? Yeah. Yes. Deadpool yeah. Who signs the paychecks that mean anything? Though so. I, I, I read from uh, like a couple different a couple different creators online this past week that the royalty checks when you sell your work for TV or movies aren't what you'd think. You, like, Mark Millar doesn't sell Wanted, and immediately he's a giant billionaire. Like, those, the checks that come from selling your own product aren't what, I'm sure they're fucking, for us, those paychecks are big potatoes. But for someone like Rob Liefeld, the Deadpool movie rights. Well, how much probably... money do you think that a comic book artist makes? Like, I would say a movie check is probably still pretty decent in comparison. Yeah, yeah, I, I would think so too, but I've, <clears throat> like I said, I've seen from a couple different sources that are like, you know what, it's, it's nice. Cite your sources. I like doing it, but it's not, it's not what you think it would be. Yeah, well, it's not the retirement fund that everybody. Rob Liefeld, right? Rob Rob Liefeld, as some like to call him in the know. Easy for you to say. He is essentially he was a millionaire before Deadpool became a household name. All that Levi's money. Yeah, well, I mean, look, the guy at. uh, No, no, I was gonna say at the time he had the number one selling comic book ever, but number one selling comic book of all time is Jim Lee's X Men. And then shortly after that, X-Force competed for that top spot, but it still remains number two, which is the one that Rob Liefeld did. But anyway, um, we're not here to talk about Rob Liefeld. We're here to talk about Batman and Superman and fighting each other. Part of the split online that you can really see how, um, how, how drastic it is Rotten Tomatoes, critics' site that kind of scores what the critics think as well as what the fans think. The critics gave it a 28%. That's very rotten. And wow. the fans... That was a 29% the last time I saw it just a little bit ago. So look at that. Every hour it's dropping a percent. While the fans gave it a 72% and also voted with their dollars. And it it's made quite a few of those dollars. Looks like... Worldwide or yeah, world international and domestic markets, four hundred and twenty million. So that's a lot of money. One hundred and sixty-six in the U.S. So so financially, they had a not, good opening week. Not bad for a March opening. They, I mean, it was guaranteed to make awesome money its first week, just based on the spectacle. It's uh-huh. the largest March opening of all time. Well, we kind of knew that would be the case. Because March yeah. movies are dog shit. Usually, correct. Yeah. Well, it's a new world that we live in where blockbusters are no longer 
you know, caged into the summer. They're all over the place. You have Deadpool in February that makes a lot of money. You Star have Wars at Christmas. Star, Star Wars at Christmas. They're all over. You never know. You turn the corner. You flip the page of the Couple calendar. Blockbuster. A couple right of years ago, we had the Winter Soldier. Fuck, the Duff's out this weekend. We had the Winter Soldier in April, and that did very well. Um, so the game has changed. It has. Uh, for a while there, it was like, unless you came out between like May 1st and June 1st, you weren't uh, anything special. It was only like that, that bizarre little May window that made you like, quote, a summer blockbuster. Now, obviously, I'm... Exaggerating, Dark Knight Returns, Guardians of the Galaxy, but you get my point. I like that we get these big tentpole movies all over the place. It makes going to the movies makes, an event all the time. Makes exactly. boring ass March exciting. And, and it makes the wait for the other shit totally bearable. Because what do we, what do we have next? We have uh, Captain America in two months, right? Um. Yeah. So normally we no be, like one month. Isn't well, well, May. Is it May? Is yeah, it but May? like early May. Okay. We're almost into April. Yeah, when's, so I mean, it's, yeah, it's pretty quick. Um, that that feels is like, June? is that June I think somewhere? it's May. Is it May? Is it also May? Yep. But even after we have those two that are front-loaded in the summer, then we get Suicide Squad in August. So all kinds of good stuff. But we're not here to talk about the theatrical about, about release schedule. We're not here to talk about good stuff. Uh-oh, this is we're a We're here little, to talk about Batman little, v Superman. A little taste from... May 27th. From May 27th. Correct, my yeah. apocalypse. Ian, would you mind starting? Would you mind kicking us off tonight? I, I figured that I would start, so well, I, I don't mind. Did you not want to? No, no, I figured that I would. I usually do, so it's fine. I do. I usually do. Both of you fucking throw the ball to me, and I start, and then you guys have it out. So, I'll tell you what. Do you, Paul, would, why don't you start? Oh, okay. Go ahead. Paul, I'll tell you what. Start. If we took a tally of the last 146 episodes, I bet I fight with you, Ian, more than I fight with Matt. Well, this wasn't so a fight. So don't say, and then we have it out. Matt and I are fairly civil with each other the majority of the time. It's you and I that are that are... Black and white twinsies with each other. That's always that have, be like that. That have dukes. We gotta put up dukes like that. Okay. Because we're too close to each other. That's why. My my point was I usually start. Do it. Tell us about Batman v Superman. You can start, Paul. I don't want to start. You don't want to start. Hmm. Okay. I don't want to start. We need to start big. <laughs> well, okay, sure. Um, I went back to see this film today as I I skipped out of work and went back to check it out because I had. A lot of conflicting feelings about this movie. I thought about it after we went to see it over the Easter holiday. I had to talk to a lot of people and explain because that's what everybody wanted to know. How? What did you think? You're a big comic book guy. What did you think about it? And I ended up recommending it to certain people but telling other people, well, probably not. And I was trying to sort through my feelings as to why I felt that way and maybe figure out a close... Um, a close film that I've gone to recently that I felt similar to, and the only one that I can come up with is Amazing Spider-Man 2. I feel like Batman v Superman has a lot of things in it that I thought were great. Absolutely great. And then there were a lot of things that I had a big problem with or weren't so good. Um, I'm going to start off, I'm going to be real positive for a little bit here. 
Um, and then we can we can talk a little bit and then we'll go into our cons. Um, but the pros that I had, just starting off, Ben Affleck as Batman, he it was a controversial pick whenever they cast him. A lot of people had a problem. Even this weekend, talking to people that haven't seen the film yet, they're like, oh, he's too old and I just can't stand Ben Affleck. He was fucking amazing. He was a great Batman. He was a great Bruce Wayne. You could see the detective angles. He also brought probably the best Batman fight scene that I've ever seen on film. It was it was excellent. He was a mixture of focused, determined. He was a little arrogant. Maybe that's just Ben Affleck's general attitude. He looked the part. Paul, you mentioned before, the bat crossfit. Dude was fucking ripped. He looked like Batman. It was amazing. Jeremy Irons as Alfred probably carried some of the comedic weight. It wasn't that over-the-top, out loud pies, cream pies and banana peel, laugh fest that Marvel is, but it was an understated um, humor that Jeremy Irons brought to Alfred, and I really liked his, his role. Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot, we all kind of questioned... Is it Godot or Godot? I believe it's Godot. Okay. okay. I just watched. I just want to get it right. Okay. Well, let's go to Resident. Not even an hour and a half ago, I watched Ben Affleck on Ellen, and he said the pronunciation is Gal Godot. Godot. Okay. Gal Godot. Gal Godot. Gal Godot. Ellen. Point blank asked, "How do you say her name?" Ben Affleck said, Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. Well, there we go. Thank, there we go. When she was cast, we, I, I think everybody at this, show for you. Everybody at this table kind of was questioning, uh, I don't know. She's only been in these Fast and the Furious movies, the skinny bitch. I don't know if she's going to be able to be Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. She, she might have been one of the best parts of this movie. I think one of the things that was going to be hard for the DC Universe was to kickstart Wonder Woman. Kickstart a Wonder Woman franchise. Everybody's afraid yeah, of it. Let me tell thing. you what was going to be hard for Wonder Woman. Your penis. Oh! Well, yeah, totally. I saw that joke in my life. I saw it so. twice. Hard both times. Yeah, I mean, she she was everything that you want from your on-screen Wonder Woman. She looked physically imposing when she came. To, I, I thought she did. I thought she was... When she was kicking... <clears throat> Doomsday well, around in that perhaps, final fight. Perhaps we've got different definitions of physically imposing. She when when she comes down, when she makes her entrance as Wonder Woman, there's no question that this is the person that's going to help change the tide of the fight and save Batman's fucking ass because he has no business being there. Right, and I I, I think I think we're both on the same page with with that, but I I, I feel like she is she looked physically capable. Okay. But physically imposing to me is like when Henry Cavill rolls out of the fucking ocean. Just And he's just jacked. muscles on top of muscles, and you're like, holy fuck. Or Ben Affleck, six foot four, muscles on top of muscles, frame rolls in. That's imposing. Gal Gadot is this sleek, lean. You fucked it all up. We just, you just talked about reprimanding it. Reprimanding Gal Gadot, sir. You know I've been saying Gal Gadot for fucking years now. Give me one second to course correct, okay? Gal Gadot rolls onto the scene, and she's lean, and she's sleek. And though she's not imposing, she's the exact build that I want for my Wonder Woman. Because as I've said a billion times on the show, what I like from my female heroes is I don't 
I like the juxtaposition of a fit girl being able to pick up a car and bash it over someone's head. Right. <laughs> and that's exactly what Gal Gadot brought to this role. I thought it was a credit to her, you know, either the writers or her acting chops that they could build a really compelling character in only about 10 to 15 minutes of screen time. She didn't have a lot of screen time, but every time she was on the screen, she was captivating. I wanted to see more of her. They told, um, they hinted at a really rich backstory throughout that I'm dying to see this movie now. And that was going to be one of the big hurdles. It's not a hurdle, I don't think, to put Batman in a film, make him fucking cool. You can do that. It's been done before. But getting Wonder Woman in there, that's that's a big you know, hurdle jump over. Um, one thing that I thought that might have thrown the general audience out, off, there was a lot of deep cuts in this film. There was a lot of... Well, are we getting into the negatives? Or no, 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 no. This is, this is stuff that I liked but I think would could be a hurdle for just your casual viewer. Got it. Um, you know, Nightmare Batman where you have hints at Darkseid and the parademons and all that. All that stuff Those was... Those were more than hints. Those, that was flat out telling us that, yeah, was, that, that that's going to happen. Dark Side is foreshadowing at its yeah. best. Yeah. yeah, it it was. I could tell that, that it was, was more like. Never mind. I was going to make a horrible. Yeah, go ahead. It's five shadowing, but yeah. anyway, go ahead. You've got one more, and then you're done tonight. <laughs> oh please. And the uh, the flashpoint stuff with uh, the Flash coming back in like this battle armor kind of thing, which was kind of cool. I, I think that stuff was all very jarring to just your casual moviegoer that was going to see Batman and Superman duke it out, and there's this whole gigantic expanded DC universe that we're getting to see. They didn't hold anything back. They were going to give you everything that they possibly could, and I think that that shows that the writers of this movie and Zack Snyder really care about the DC universe, and they wanted to get a lot of that stuff out there. They wanted to show iconic moments, and they wanted to really do some things for the comic book fans. So I I really enjoyed all of that stuff. And, and we've talked about it before, Zack Snyder's artistic eye. There were so many moments that I can to just recall, not just because I just saw it again, again but because they looked beautiful, because they were artistically done, because th even the opening scene that we've seen thousands of times with Martha Wayne getting her fucking head blown off and the pearls going over, but you've never seen it as as um, as stunning as it was in this film. So it, there's no Marvel movie that ever looks like that. They all look like fucking shit compared to what we got <laughs> in Zack Snyder's Batman v Superman. When Batman in the nightmare escape, when he, he climbs out and you see that sprawling landscape in a Marvel movie, that probably wouldn't look as dynamic and picturesque as it did from this film. So those are... Those are the my main points. The fire of like, pits really. of apocalypse have never looked so good. It it, it was a breathtakingly uh, beautiful, <clears throat> beautifully shot film. So those are my those are my positive things, and I'll end my my segment right there with the positive, and we'll get back into some of the negative stuff. Who wants to go with what they liked about Batman v Superman next? Matt, you up for it? Yeah, yeah, I'll go. Basically everything that Ian just said. Okay, me then. Would you like to elaborate? Uh, I mean, what was your favorite? What what was your favorite thing about it? What did you come away from 
I would say my my favorite thing was how artistically shot it was and how beautiful looking the movie it was. Zack Snyder, it's almost like every single frame that he makes, there's an artistic intent behind it. Like everything is like almost like a perfect illustration that he's trying to put together. But every shot is like that. It was almost like overload. There was so much awesomeness in terms of how incredible it looked. It was like, wow, this guy is such a visionary. Like, I don't know who, you know, is the cinematographer on this, but like whoever he's working with, those guys deserve an award for how good this movie looked. Larry like, Fong is the... Larry... Uh, the DP. I thought it might be Larry, Larry Fong. Fong. He, he's been on a lot of Zack Snyder movies. So well, that's, that's not surprising. That's his guy that makes his because, movies all look similar. Right, because this shared a lot of the same aesthetics that, that his other movies did, especially Man of Steel, which we've said ever since the trailer first came out that, holy shit, Man of Steel is gorgeous looking. It's going to be such, like, it feels like a film. Um, and it did. And so did this. I mean, and, and you referenced the exact shot I was thinking of. If I was going to tell someone, trust me, this movie is incredible looking. Just look at that first sequence with the, the death of uh, Martha and, and Thomas Wayne, who, which we've seen countless times in comic books and movies and TV shows. None of them even come close. None of them even come remotely close. And... Was I the only one that was like, fuck yeah, when Thomas Wayne clenched a fist and he was like, I'm not going out like he, some punk. He pushed he pushed Martha and Bruce behind him all heroic and yeah. shit, even though it was dude like had clearly that's where Batman gets his courage from. Yeah. And just, More so than that no mustachioed pussy from Chris Nolan's Batman movies. <laughs> <laughs> he was like that dude was like yeah, kill us all. Well, that Go was ahead. another thing that I liked. This was the first time I think Thomas Wayne had a fucking mustache. He has a mustache. Why can't people give him a mustache? Alfred, no offense, but... Sorry, dude, you got a mustache. Grow it. Yeah. Solid mustache. Yeah, even Which the way leads... it, the gun, when the gun goes off, and that's what how it comes down and breaks the pearl. Like, yeah. And, and, like, just, you really felt like she got blasted in the face. <laughs> like, you fucking felt that... How horrific that would be for yeah, I little Bruce Wayne. I could have done without Bruce Wayne's haircut, which I don't know what that I, was all about. I couldn't get over his haircut. Wait either. a second. <laughs> what was that oh, all damn. about? It was 1981. He had 80s hair. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we all had 80s hair. <laughs> I like that you guys are it. picking on that. That's I get it, amazing. but in a weird way, I felt the same way. Like every time they cut to him screaming. <laughs> I couldn't feel his pain. I felt the pain see, of his haircut. You couldn't see the pain through all that hair. Oh, boy. Um, so uh, th- my point about Thomas Wayne looking the part brings me to another thing that I really liked about the movie was how good Batman looked. Um, yeah, Ben Affleck nailed it. We all know that. That's like the reviews for him have been unanimously Even good. the haters have said, yeah, Ben Affleck was really good. Yeah, which, you know... I think all three of us here on the show, when he was cast, were all like, yeah, you know, this could work. And you know what? Damn it. We were all right. So anyone that thought we were wrong can can suck it. Suck it. Anything else you liked? or? Um, yeah. Yeah, there was, there was 
Well, a number of the things that you had mentioned, um, I, I think the casting in general proved to be uh, pretty damn good. Uh, Jeremy Irons, um, Gal, uh, Gal Gadot uh, was, you know, I thought that she, her her sequences pre. Wonder Woman reminded me a lot of Selena Kyle's from The Dark Knight Rises before she was Catwoman. Uh, there was, you know, this woman of mystery that kind of kept showing up at parties and shit. Her music even had like a slinky cat yeah, burglar yeah, there were, feel and, to and, it. And, you know, both dark-haired vixens. Like, they just sort of like felt similar. But once she was Wonder Woman, she was her own character. And... Uh, to me, she kind of stole the spotlight once she showed up. And not only did she show up in a big way, there was... Uh, I'm going to get into a negative to make my point about this positive. When she showed up, her music kicked into gear, and she was the only character that had a theme song in the entire movie, and it was cool. The rest of the movie had no themes for any characters. I'm so used to Batman either getting Hans Zimmer da 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 or da 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 from Danny Elfman. This had nothing, and it didn't even have Hans Zimmer's Superman theme from The Man of Steel. There, if it did, I don't remember. No, it. there were hints of the Superman theme, but they were the saddest fucking little teeny tiny droplets of the, music. The you know why? Theme from Be- Man of Steel. Yeah, loved every fucking second that I, I heard it. I liked it too, but they were sad, and you know why yeah. they were sad? Because they were little droplets, just like Superman's role in this fucking movie. Barely so, there. So, here's the thing. Um, Superman's theme in Man of Steel is it's good. But there's only one Superman theme. Yeah. There really is. I don't care how many iterations. It's just as iconic as the S on his chest. You can reuse it, and that's Superman. It's it's okay. It's okay. We can do it. There are things that you can recycle for the character. I don't care if it's a reboot or whatever. Bring it back. That wouldn't is it have been cool? I disagree. Wouldn't it have been cool if they would have taken just little slivers of the Danny Elfman Batman and run that through there? Just little hints. Doesn't have to be the full... Batman, well, but to me, that's fucking Batman. Just because it was in the original Batman, in the animated series. The, the Hans Zimmer Superman theme from Man of Steel has come to mean almost as much to me as the John Williams theme from the Christopher Reeve Superman movie. That's pretty bold. When I hear, that, it's it, honest. That when is hear, teetering on insanity, but continue. Right, but... When I hear that theme now, and every time I heard it in Batman v Superman, it invoked the same feelings of Superman in me, hmm. of the the driving hope, and we're going to keep pushing through this, and we're, it's going to get better. That's interesting, because there's none of that in the Superman character in this movie. There's no driving hope. It's not going to get better. Right, and we know that after we've seen the movie, but... There's that same sense of, there's it carries the same sense of hope that the original John Williams music does for me. And when I hear that music now, yeah, and after the first couple times I watched Man of Steel, I was like, oh, this is, this is garbage. No <laughs> one can touch John Williams' Superman theme. 
But like, after you masturbated now, to it a thousand times. Yeah, after I've watched that movie a, a, a good bit of times, like, that music means a lot to me. Yeah, I, so I, every I, time I hear it in, B, in Batman v Superman, whether it's symphonic or if it's just a few piano notes, like, that music touches me now. And I... Yeah, I mean... That's fair. I mean, obviously, people are going to react differently to it. And, and it's... it The song becomes greater than the notes that it originally was when it was played. It, it becomes a feeling that, that you associate with certain other senses or memories or whatever from the movie. It doesn't have that for me. Mainly, not because it's not good... Because it is good and it and it is iconic, but you're you're comparing it to quite literally the most iconic single character theme song in the history of cinema. Um, no, you know what? The most iconic theme song in the history of cinema, and it's perfect. It was perfect. It's arguably better than anything he's ever written, John Williams. So I really, as much as it might not be fair. To, to give the Hans Zimmer theme its due, it's just it's being compared to something that is perfect, and it just doesn't stand a chance against perfection. Um, with that said, there was no Batman theme, and if there was, fucking point it out or hum it for me or whatever. There because- wasn't. I went back in my second viewing, purposefully listening for that. There isn't. There is no Batman. Theme. As much as I love the Danny Elfman one. I still think the Hans Zimmer one from the Dark Knight trilogy, it's still pretty cool. Like, there are parts in, in those movies where it does kind of do something other than da-da-da-da. Like, the, sorry, I was a little down, like, lower, but, and slower. But, but like, the, the sequence when he's um, in the... Uh, in the Dark Knight Returns when he's in the car chase with the Joker and the Batmobile gets damaged and then all of a sudden he has to like self-destruct it and he like flies out of it on his motorcycle and then the music really kicks in that's cool this one eh, well the Batmobile sequence is pretty cool too in this one like particularly when he um like busted through the like the ship or whatever it was like he was underwater and it just like busted out of there like a fucking missile that was cool um, but I'm going to start talking about some controversial things that I liked in this that probably a lot of people didn't like. Um, I liked the ending. I thought the ending was great. Killing it, Superman. It surprised me. It surprised me too. Like it, which is weird because we've all seen Superman fight Doomsday and we, we all yeah, know we how all that know goes. Doomsday's only purpose is to kill Superman. Right. But for whatever reason, I was like, oh, they killed him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's almost embarrassing. I, I felt like a big dummy. There were, there were two big surprises in this movie for me. One was when they blew up the Senate. Yeah, holy yeah, that shit. came out of nowhere. I had no idea. But you know why that was so surprising? Because they killed off Mercy just like that. Right. I was like, what? They kill. I mean, they they build up three characters, three ancillary characters at that point. Um, Holly Hunter, Senator Finch, Senator June Finch, Mercy, and that Wallace, Scooter, Scooter McNeary, McNeary. <laughs> and all of a sudden, boom, 
done. Right. That and when Superman gets his chest punctured by Doomsday's wrist bone. Mm-hmm. I was like, holy, I was like, holy fuck. And, you know, for for as many ups and downs as this movie contained for me, I mean, it delivered on surprises and unexpected moments. Yeah, I think those are two good examples. Um, I One of the more negative surprises was how okay with killing Batman was, but we'll get into that later. Um, yeah, I mean, but, it's also from the cinematic Batman school of Batmaning. Right, right, which kind of is a common theme throughout. But anyway, we'll... we'll circle back to that um i actually liked the doomsday fight doomsday ended up being way cooler than i thought he was gonna look i still um, didn't like the look of doomsday though he still looked like an uh a troll a cave troll he did look like a cave troll and i and i'm gonna give you this one ian he looked like cgi obvious cgi but i'll tell you what uh when batman and superman and wonder woman were fighting him I don't know if it was purposeful where they were cutting to the actual actors like close-ups of their faces and quick cuts of the CG um, smaller uh, characters, but it, that didn't look that bad to me. Those fight scenes no, tend they, to be like rubbery, elastic people, well, and it didn't look awful to They've me. gotten a lot better at it. I think if you look at like the last Spider-Man movie, it all looked a lot better mm-hmm. than it typically does. Um, whereas like if you look at you know when the when the heroes all fought the cave troll in the Lord of the Rings how ridiculous that looked whenever the the human actors would interact with the CG yeah. character like when Legolas ran up the chain and got on top all of a sudden Legolas is now CGI and it and you could just tell, tell yeah obviously the technology's way better but the you know Doomsday that was clearly CGI but I mean he had to be I liked how big they made him you know, like, mm-hmm. I it just, it worked for me. And then the, finally the bones came out and I was like, yeah, I'm into this. And then, and then when they went ahead and they killed Superman, I was just like, of course, this is, this is exactly, they're doing exactly the right thing with this movie. And then the funeral, and then they showed the coffin and it was exactly the way it was in the comic book with the, the black coffin with the silver Superman S on it. Um, there was just so much callback to that classic story that I love so much, the death of Superman and funeral for a friend. It it just it, it made me feel so good. And then the ending with just the, the little bit of dirt rising. Because that's what happens when Superman's about to take flight. I loved it. Zack Snyder's been getting his ass kicked online a lot for oh it's just a big fucking CGI slug fest, blah blah that's blah ridiculous. with no heart. And the little moments of the dual funeral and the real, the smaller Smallville funeral with the bagpipes and how it was shot was emotional. It was sad. It was sad both times I saw it. And I don't think he gets enough credit for, for that kind of stuff, that small kind of storytelling that happens in this film. I thought that worked really well. I thought that it worked really well, too. Uh... And and I thought that that ending was powerful. Uh, I I don't I haven't read anything like I, all I know is the general consensus is this movie was a turd and it had no soul and like the the big overarching statements about it. I don't know specifically what people thought of the ending, but I thought the ending was really good. Um, I've and I've got another thing that goes back to the flashpoint moment 
where and now going back and seeing and knowing that Superman dies and the Flash comes back and he's talking to Bruce and that's not a dream by the way like that happens because when he he breaks through and he's talking to Bruce and then Bruce wakes up a second time you look in the background there's papers fly, flying around and shit like that like that fucking happened when the Flash is talking to him he's saying stuff like Bruce you were right about him you know, it's Lois, blah, blah, blah. What the fuck was he right about? Like, he's, he's talking about Superman, right? Like, all that stuff the second time through, I was like, well, holy fuck. Like, what's he talking about? I can't wait for Justice League now. That's well, going to be makes, awesome. Wait, what was he right it about? Makes complete, I don't know. It he, makes he said, sense. He, he was like, you were right about him. You have to find it made, us. It made sense. It made sense the first time. If you're, I, and pro- but the probably sec- if you know, if you're, if you know you're, comics and how comic powers work like it made complete sense the first time that he's he's telling Bruce don't let Lois die because that's what sends Superman over the edge and that's what creates this dystopian future that Bruce gets a glimpse of and even when um but they didn't really put Even Lois, when, like, in danger. Like, don't Super- you think that they should have put Lois in danger in this film and have Batman save her? You know? Like, wouldn't that make more sense? When when Superman slams down into the bunker before he burns the and cuts in half the two guys Batman's chained up with, he says something like, you know, you let her die. She was my world and you let her die. And later right. on, he says something like, you're my right. world. And it all... It all makes sense in a way more convoluted way that a lot of the really heavy, important emotional parts in Man of Steel made sense. But it all it all ties together properly. You just need to work a little bit harder to get there. I agree with that. This is not the kind of movie, because this movie is like one part of a much greater story, and it's it, there's a lot to it. You probably have to see it two or three times to like fully kind of, kind of understand everything. You know, the the first time you see something like this, and Star Wars would be another good example. It's almost like how did it make you feel? Like you're not even necessarily reacting to all the details, at least not at first. Um, I wish that I had seen it a second time just so that way I could react more to it. Um, but I do have a couple other positives that I wanted to. Um, to talk about, uh, I thought that um, that this one, while it didn't have a, a a lot of humor to it, I thought that the parts of humor that it did have were actually funnier than in Man of Steel, even if they didn't have um, all like many moments like that. Particularly when Batman tells Martha Wayne that I'm a friend of your son's, that part cracked me up. I think part of the problem was, too, we were seeing it with a dead fish crowd. Like, that crowd was sleepy. And they just weren't into it. And it made the movie feel, like, kind of uninteresting, I think. Because I, I just I got the sense that the crowd was like, when's Deadpool show up? Our, our crowd was, didn't feel like a comic book fan crowd. I mean, I know it was late at night right. on Saturday, but it didn't because there was a lot of stuff where people were like... I could audibly hear them like, what? What is that? What is that? And that's one of the things that I liked is the fact that this movie, more than almost like any other fucking comic book movie, like 
acknowledges the comics, acknowledges the source material in such a, a faithful way. Um, and it's like so many Easter eggs, maybe not even Easter eggs. It's just like, yeah, you know the comics, here it is. And it's like, those of you that don't know, you'll get it. Because the Avengers didn't even have the balls enough to, to like hide Thanos. Like Thanos was, people knew that that was happening in that film, even by the end. But still, in this movie, you have to know who Darkseid is. To Not know gonna make sense. that that's what that's who Lex right. Luthor is talking about, who is coming at the right. very end. The the right, and and I liked that angle. I liked that there was like almost this biblical bent to it. Like they were talking about you know the devil being represented as dark. I assume dark side, and and I liked that. I liked that you know it, it had this like much darker tone to it than a. Than a Marvel movie, not because I like it better than that. It's I like it different. as an alternative to that. Yeah, everything doesn't have to be. Everybody's like, I today when I was coming out, people were like, "Well, that was the funniest movie on earth." Well, they don't all have to be funny. There were humorous moments in this. It doesn't have to be the same as a Marvel movie. I don't want it to be the same as a Marvel movie. Yeah, um, I, I liked Henry Cavill in this too. Um, I, I didn't I don't necessarily agree with you Ian that that he was uh, that he didn't serve a purpose or he didn't have much of a role. He, I, I don't think that I liked him too, but they and I think he's a great Superman. They don't give him anything to do. They I don't think that Zack Snyder, especially in this movie, knew what to do with Superman. Well, I would kind of agree with that. I mean, the movie was definitely Batman's movie, um, and it was Batman reacting to uh, to Superman. Who was kind of just carrying on? The character wasn't carrying on from Man of Steel, but it was almost like his existence had to carry on through Henry Cavill. If that makes any sense, like the maybe the best part of the whole movie was the very beginning when Bruce Wayne's driving through Metropolis, um, and you know, dodging buildings falling over, and, and you just see the bravery and determination of like a man and you see the scene that we saw in man of steel from a completely different perspective and we saw it in the trailer um but we saw the the full effect of that sequence it was so powerful to me just seeing it the destruction conjured so many realistic memories of like 9-11 and the destruction like it was all happening in Man of Steel, but we didn't perceive it that way because we didn't see it from that perspective. Now, this time, you see it from a completely different perspective, and it's so much more interesting. At least it was to me. It makes watching Man of Steel a lot different because even before seeing the movie, just watching the trailers of Bruce running into the fire and like seeing all that stuff happening, you're watching Man of Steel, and you're seeing the Zod Superman fight from the perspective of those two characters and at the same time you're thinking Bruce Wayne's down there civilians are down there right and now after watching the movie like you're like Jack is in that building mm-hmm. who knows who Jack is a Just dummy guy a dummy probably. who didn't know that when a world engine shows up you should evacuate yeah, probably. Wayne Enterprise yeah, I like how they waited for Bruce Wayne to say I think you guys should get out of there 
Like, like buildings are falling down well, around it. There's a lot of dumb did, stuff. Did Even I wait for my boss to tell me I could leave today <laughs> to go see Batman? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck no. Even like, a man of steel. When, second... when, the, when the world devastator, what is it called? World, world engine. World engine shows up, and and Ian's boss turns to tell him he can go. Like you're just All gonna see like spinning it's just spinning chair. It's, it's the puff of cloud that I'm running out of him. Well, you know, it's it's, it's like you know, in, in Man of Steel, but you know. Like, Perry waits forever before he's like, all right, right, everybody, get out of here. Like, as soon as an alien ship, and it's not like it's not like we're years into the DC Cinematic Universe where we're familiar with aliens and metahumans and all this shit happens. This is the first time an alien ship that's taller than any of the buildings in your city touches down. Mm-hmm. You get the fuck out. What mm-hmm. the fuck are you waiting for? Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why they used quote unquote Jack instead of Lucius Fox or some recognizable oh, fucking Lucius character. Audi five thousand. Right, because Lucius Fox is too smart to fucking hang around when the world engine touches down. But at the same time, like that scene was really, it was still really touching. It was still really well done because Bruce is like this isn't Alfred. It's not. Dick Grayson, it's not his parents, it's not one of the Robins, it's just a guy that he cares about on a person-to-person level, he's a guy that works for him, for his business, and like that's how concerned he is about just Jack, that he's willing to run into that fucking cloud of smoke when this building's falling down, and And it really set the tone for Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne, which is the best Batman and Bruce Wayne that has ever been on film and live action ever absolutely i agree with that i think we all agree with it i mean it was i knew he was going to do a good job but man i i just want to see more of both of those characters we got a whole lot of it in this movie but you got to see detecting from bruce wayne i even like them gets me a little more juice for suicide squad even if it's just a five minute cameo that he's in this dude is gold I love the conversation that Alfred has with him. Like, Batman had to beat up and interrogate six thugs. Bruce Wayne just had to do one thing, and he got the information. And, like, yeah, fucking Bruce Wayne can do some shit. Like, it was cool. They need to fast track the the Batman movie. Oh, my God. I want the Batman movie next summer. I want it now. Yeah, they need to do it. And, and like, start and get ready for Batman 2. And Batman 3, because this is gold. And what's cool about this is that there is 20 years of history. It's a rich, rich, deep history. We're going to see a little bit of it in Suicide Squad. They can go backwards. They can go forwards. They can do whatever. They got to do do the Joker storyline. Do the Joker. Do the prequel. Show us how Robin gets killed. Yeah, you have to just do, do that, it. Right? Uh, because def- because going forward with the Justice League, things are going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Go back and tell the, Small the smaller person. Batman story. Um, you know, in Gotham City, across the bay from Metropolis. What did we did, think about that? I don't mind that. People are fucking pissed. I don't care. I don't mind that. It's fine. I thought it was stupid. I, 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 I didn't, didn't care. It, it, made, it didn't bother It made me. the world feel very small to me. I mean... I, it just, it was too close. It was, it felt like they weren't their own things then. Well, it feels like Oakland and San Francisco. Those are two very different places. So I liken it to that. You can have very different worlds. I suppose, really but close. I always felt like, like, 
they were much, much further apart. Like, I always thought Toronto is supposed to represent Metropolis or vice versa. And and New York City is like Gotham. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get it. I It didn't kill the movie for me. No, it didn't kill the movie. Yeah. Nothing killed the movie for me. Um, but that is one detail that I thought, like, why? What? Why? That just feels yeah. too convenient to me. Before we jump into cons, Paul, you've been awfully quiet. What were things that you liked? Batman. Uh, ben Affleck has restored my faith in the Dark Knight. What he's capable of. Same with Jeremy Irons and Alfred. Gal Gadot was... Incredible, yeah, Gal Gadot. I know. Gal Gal Gadot. Whatever. <laughs> double G. Double G. <laughs> Deuce G. She was great. Uh, every scene with her in it was, was great. Um, I I like I like the artistic nature of the movie. The scene where Batman busts up all those fucking dudes in that warehouse. Oh my god. Justin and I saw it by ourselves Friday night, and as soon as that scene was over him and I looked at each other and our eyes met and they said I just can't okay. <laughs> that scene's so, so awesome cool because he there's just... so much cool shit about it like even the improbability of him fucking harpooning the crate and throwing it over his head but the way they should have like, smashed that dude's skull you like, see the sparks off his arm gauntlets and the cow, and some dude shoots him twice in the head. Yeah, like people just run up to him and start blasting doesn't, him. Doesn't matter, he just he just fades it off, and he's still fighting, and it's fucking brutal. He hits that one dude and just pop, pounds this guy's head into the floor. And at the very end, he grabs that dude and throws him through the drywall and the, the you know, the walls and the... What about when he the stabbed the one guy? He like ran up to him and stabbed, stabbed him in the him. shoulder, yeah. stabbed him to the wall. Like it was a brutal Batman. And the whole, the entire time, like as soon as one of the first trailers went, "Oh, Batman has a gun! Batman has a gun!" So the whole time I'm like, "Well, when's he gonna use a gun through all this?" And he fucking doesn't. Yeah, he breaks some arms and hands and stabs a dude in the shoulder with a knife. He does use a gun, but he doesn't shoot anyone. He, he uses, uses his grappling gun. No, no, no. He uses a gun when he breaks through the wall and Martha Kent is being held hostage oh, by yeah, pseudo-KGBeast yeah. or whatever. He shoots, he recklessly shoots the fucking oh, yeah. uh, flamethrower pack, yeah. which should have blown say, Martha Kent sky high. That's, well, he had, he had time from when he shot it but before he, it ignited. But he didn't. <laughs> but he but didn't. he did, because it's a comic book movie. He, I know. And all that said, yeah, I mean, he murdered tons of dudes with guns with a But I didn't give a turret cannon on the fucking Batwing. Because... He murdered tons of dudes, just shot the fuck out of their shit. But... In the history of cinematic Batman, combat. Batman does that shit. So eloquently he, put, shot the fuck out of their shit... <laughs> In Batman Returns... You can only get that level of commentary here on the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. In, in Batman Returns, doesn't he, like, take a grenade and stuff it down a clown's shirt and throw him in a sewer? Like, he does create... Batman, there's, cinematic Batman you know, kills there's, fuckers. There's a lot of revisionist history that's gone on with Man of Steel. And probably this movie. Because, like you said, he... <laughs> Pulls a pin on a grenade and blows someone's dick off in a previous movie. Everyone forgets that. Well, everyone forgets that Superman kills Zod and Lois kills Ursa and Superman kills Nod, Non in their 
favorite Christopher Reeve movie that can do no wrong. Yeah, mm-hmm. guess what? He murders people too. Like, these heroes murder people. And it's, it's fucking murder. It's just, but it's still murder. So don't give me your fucking bullshit. He doesn't fucking kill. He does. Your beloved Christopher Reeve killed too. So, I mean, like, Ben Affleck was flawless. I loved his Bruce Wayne. I loved his fucking hair. Yeah. That fucking diesel hair on that dude. I loved when he told Mercy he loved her shoes. And he's talking to Clark, and he's like, oh, beautiful woman. You can't, can't blame me for that. Like, he's playing up that playboy Bruce Wayne angle. Like, mm-hmm. he did... He straddled the... In, in this movie... I don't know how deep the psychosis goes for who this character is and, you know, where he's really going, but he was the live-action epitome of Kevin Conroy's animated series, Bruce Wayne. He fucking slams some puss with wine out the ass from the Wayne wine cellar. I love I that line that about... Time. Oh, yeah, there's, like, a, some sexy body some fucking, in there. Yeah, and... first, first time I saw it, I was like... Oh, you go, Bruce. Get wasted on wine by yourself. But the second night we saw it, I was like, oh, fuck. He fucking slayed some chick. Yeah, there's, Bruce. There's some hips in there. Yeah. Okay, so you liked, you liked Batman a lot. What else did you like? I like Wonder Woman a lot. Uh-huh. I loved her regal nature uh-huh. whenever she shows up at both parties. How cool is that picture they kept showing? Kept popping That was pretty up. cool. Some crisp pine so action in there. Crisp pine action. Uh, I love the super insane metal theme that she got. Yeah, it, it came was, in. It was heavy it duty. It was like metal with like kind of jungly sounding, like yeah. tribal. And it was like, that was the the one moment of that movie where you were you really noticed the music. And you're like, yeah, like holy is fucking fuck. awesome. Do not oh, fuck it, with this girl. Because it was like, it was... Because it was metal. Everything else was, you know, like a symphonic score for a big epic movie. But that was, I mean, it came with a lot of primal features Yeah, to it, it did. It, but it made itself known. Whereas, like, all the rest of the, the score was just just there. Barely. It, it was, to me, and I don't mean to, like, uh, hijack your, your likes here. But, wow, that score sucked. With with Wonder Woman, real, one real quick thing. I mentioned before that they quickly built a rich backstory. Just a little throwaway kind of line that I think really speaks volumes to her. As Batman says something, or somebody says something about uh, Superman. is like, hey, he's Kryptonian, he's from my world, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's a big deal. And she's like, I've killed things from other worlds before. Like, get the fuck out of here. I'm a god. I'm going to handle this shit. It's just awesome. Doomsday punches her, and her sword flies out of her hand. She lands all fucked up, and she, like, laughs yeah, and grabs yeah. her sword and starts fighting. Like, she was fucking awesome. She was. The I believe that the Wonder Woman movie is going to be gigantic. I think girls are going to flock to it because this is such a like a, a, an empowering female character. Uh, it, it's just done so well. I think guys can get behind that because um, because she was just so damn cool. She and 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 the um, her whip. What's it called again? The lasso mi- of truth. The lasso of truth. I loved seeing that. You didn't even see her, like, get it out. It wasn't, like, a big, 
like thing or anything, all of a sudden she's using it and you're just like, that's right, I forgot. That's another thing yeah. where the, the creators of this movie were like, yeah, we're going to put all this fucking shit in here. Right. I also really loved Lois. Much yeah. better this time than Would in Men's Steel. I prefer Steel. Amy Adams to have dark hair. Her yes. hair was darker in this one. But I thought Lois was really utilized to her full potential in this movie. Not just as... <clears throat> one, of, you know, one of my favorite scenes was one of the early scenes where, you, where they open the movie, it's 18 months later, and Lois and Clark are a couple. They're together. You learn later on that he's going to propose to her. And, like, that's it for them. They you just are like there. that bathtub bone, and that's all you like. I do love bathtub bone. There's a lot. I thought we were going to get a we little some, Yeah, right. there. I was like, woo, some Amy t- Adams. Some titties. Yeah, no. They, you didn't like No, you didn't. He's a lot. A lot more. Yeah, a lot more than I would expect. But, like, for her being... Disney movie. From her, like, being that emotional anchor for Clark. And... Like, you know, being there and she's like, you can't, like, you know the fallout that happened with all this stuff. And Clark's like, yeah, I don't give a shit. And that was my favorite Superman moment of the whole movie where he was like, yeah, so what? You're in trouble. I save you. I don't give a shit. I I wanted to see more of that throughout the movie. But, like, the way they used Amy Adams there. And, yeah, she was the damsel in distress a couple times. But she was also furthering... The plot. She was also helping. She was also legitimately in the thick of it. Unlike a Man of Steel, where there's no reason she should be on Zod's ship. Right. They never explain it. It doesn't make sense. You're forced to rationalize around that plot right. on your own. There were there were like snippets in this movie that felt like they could have been the sequel to Man of Steel right. if they had expanded on them. And. That's okay. I'm okay with what they ended up doing instead. But anyway, I think some of that speaks to some of my cons about the movie. Um, well, in, in this in this movie, you really get it. She re- she really has a place, and it speaks to some of my cons as well because you get more sense of who Lois Lane is in relation to Superman than who Superman is. Yeah, I especially think... at this point, especially after Man of Steel. When there's so many questions about, oh, this fucking murderer, who the fuck is this, this dour murderer? Like, I expected to see him in a much more Christopher Reevian light. Uh, you know, the saving cats from trees and giving a wink and a smile to some little girl when he gets her kite out of a tree or something. They speak to that in the film, but they never show any of we that. Never see and it. I think Superman's that's the miserable de- for two hours. In 40 minutes. He's happy for like three seconds when he's taking Lois to Pound Town in the bathtub. That's it. Other than that, he's dealing with breaking international borders and the U.S. Senate coming after him and fucking Batman busting up his shit. And he's under duress the entire fucking movie. We don't ever get to see him be happy. Be just Superman, except for... That one brief moment in the beginning when he's like, yeah, I invaded that nation. I saved you. I don't give a shit. I'm going to slam your brains out in the in this bathtub. And that's it. That's all we get to see. Even when he's with Martha in the middle. He's just down. He, she's just like, fuck all this. Right. Quit and your job. Right. And it's, it's, it's more fucking, it's, it's more ridiculous Man of Steel hate. Oh, why is Martha telling him he doesn't know the world anything? Because he doesn't. Because he does 
everything for this planet. And, and at that moment in the movie, he's getting fucking shit on by everybody. And she's looking at, she's a mother looking out for her son. This isn't someone looking out for the savior of the world. It's, it, that's her boy. So she's like, just do what you want. I just want you to be happy, whatever you want. It's not just that moment. It's the entire film. Uh, Superman, to my point, Superman is underutilized in this film. I love Henry Cavill. I think he could be a great Superman. But they don't give him anything to really do. He doesn't really do anything. He's just there to kind of get kicked around throughout the entire film. And it's a shame because he they could build up all that hope and inspiring people but they don't play on any of that stuff it's all about how much everybody fucking hates superman it's all fucking alien fear the entire time you get a couple brief glimpses of you know the the you know he saves the girl in juarez from the town and you know the community loves him and he saves the people in the flood and they love him and he saves the the exploding rocket ship, but there's it's no... all clips though. It's it does, never feels yeah, like it's, it's in all, the moment, it's and all, that's it's all news clips. It. It's yeah. never him doing it. It's never that real personal connection from the Christopher Reeve movies where he saves the he saves the girl's cat from the tree, and he's and it's that it, it matters, and we never get to see that part of him. That's really something that I wanted to see them correct. From the first movie, where this now, we're eighteen months later, and we get to see Superman, the Superman. I think the major reason why we don't get to see that is because this film felt like it was four different movies kind of crunched all together. It was a Justice League movie, it was a Batman solo flick, it was Batman vs Superman, and a little teeny tiny scoop of the Superman sequel, and they were all mashed together. There wasn't room for these characters to breathe and do their thing and actually explore any of the relationships or do anything i disagree with the lois lane stuff i feel like she was in there doing i I don't feel like the things that she was doing actually furthered the plot when she goes to africa that felt like a weird kind of just a side thing when she's investigating this bullet and they find out that it's lex luther i don't feel like that proved much of anything really um yeah it it her Going the whole setup scene in Africa was that Lex had set that up. Lex doesn't. Know, I, I understand why it happened. It no, still you, felt you, but you just said she didn't do anything to further the plot, so you don't. Because if she doesn't, if Lex doesn't set up the whole Africa business, where he knows Superman will go to lengths to save her, then he's not con- he's not confident enough if he pushes her off of this roof. Superman's gonna show up, and then he's gonna confront. It's still just a convoluted way to get that, to make that happen. But and, it, but it, and, it makes the sense. Fact, it lines and, up. And the fact that this, the things that happen in Africa with Superman, that sparks this international debate. Whereas the stuff that happened in Metropolis isn't really the catalyst. I also feel like that's weird that they're choosing a very small thing that happens to these warring overlords in Africa. It, that seemed weird. It oh, seemed like yeah. a weird thing. Like, I, I, I agree with all that. I, I, um, I feel the same. I feel the same way about Batman as I feel with with Superman. We don't need to take a worldview on who these characters are and what they mean to the entire planet. Batman doesn't need to fight Ra's al Ghul in the fucking desert to make Batman be an important character. And same with Superman. Superman can do everything in Metropolis. And you get the sense of 
who he is and how important he is in, in the worldview. Like, I, I feel like writers don't know how to handle the... Um, they don't know how to handle the sincere personal things about Superman without being like, well, this is how he impacts the entire world. So the, our angle is going to be he keeps going to these other countries, but he's American. So yeah. blah, blah, blah. Because we don't know how to do the sincere personal stuff. And, and I think So that... while we didn't... Yeah, we didn't need him to be in fucking Africa. But it does make sense that like Lex goes to this length and this is how he finds out Superman will save her. So then he shows up on, he, he shows up on the roof. It lines up. It's I, not the cleanest way it could line yeah. up, but you understand how it happens. I, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think that um, even the lowest bit where she... This is probably my least favorite thing that Lois does. She takes the, the spear, throws it in the water, and then without any other information other than she's also watching the movie and knows that she's supposed to go back and find the spear. Nobody tells her that Doomsday is a kryptonite monster and that the only way that we're going to be able to kill him is with the spear. Nobody says that, but she on her own goes back and finds the goes to try to find the spear. That was really weird. I'd need and, to re-see it, but I thought that um, Lex Luthor kind of played his hand to her about yeah, how Doomsday kind of came about. I don't remember it exactly. Then why would, but there's then a, why would she throw the spear away in the first There's a reason place, she though. goes back. Wasn't that thrown away before Doomsday showed up, though? She Yeah, she throws it away before Doomsday shows up to get it away from Clark. Yeah, I, I understand that, to get it away from even, Clark. It's not even full of water. Yeah, the first time to get it away from Clark. But then there, there is another interaction Does he say something about Doomsday being... Kryptonian? Like, I don't think he does. I, I, I'm i not entirely sure. I, But, I mean, I, I think so. I, but I, I need to re-see it. Yeah, I, I don't think that he does. Okay. Um, yeah, but I'm not if super he doesn't, confident then you're in fighting you on that right now. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's... I don't want to fight about it. I'm just saying if, if, if... I'm pretty sure there's a legitimate reason that she goes back to get it. I, it's not just I'm watching the movie. I don't think there oil. is. I don't think that that there is. It jumped out at me at the first time. I went back and I was like, mm, let me check this out. There isn't really any kind of explanation. Um, I mean, there could be. There's no reason she's on Zod's ship in Man of Steel, and she is anyway. So I'm not surprised if there's no explanation for this. How about this stuff? Why does Lex Luthor cut his hand? to give more weird DNA to create the monstrosity. There's no real explanation of that. Like, that seems like a real weird... I didn't weird... fully understand that. Like, I feel like that's a deleted scene, right? Like, they do explain it, but then they just I, cut it? I don't, I don't really know. I feel like I need to see that again to kind of absorb all those details. But I was under the impression that the, the ship is capable of splicing back together Kryptonian DNA. And since his blood was a foreign matter, that created the deformity, and we don't right. know what's going to happen yeah. when we're introducing this foreign matter to Kryptonian DNA. That made sense to me. It, it seemed weird. It, it didn't break the movie, but it, it seemed weird. That um, could be more personal rationalization. Maybe. The my biggest problem with the movie is that the title, the the title, the main card, the main event, 
was actually really unsatisfying and it didn't feel very necessary. The fight between Batman and Superman, to me, felt extremely convoluted. By the time it came around, I was like, well, this doesn't actually seem like it makes any sense that they would actually fight like this at all. (laughs) Because it was convoluted. The fight that it's based off of in Dark Knight Returns makes complete sense. Um, And maybe that's just the fact that it's built on years and years and years of comic book lore and history where this fight is two guys that kind of met twice and that's about it and it doesn't have not only does thematic like the story wise narrative wise it doesn't make a lot of sense but it doesn't have the emotional weight that you would want from superman and batman fighting each other and batman finally has superman on the ropes he's getting ready to fucking spear him then the thing that changes his mind the super focused super determined tunnel vision batman Changes his mind just because our moms have the same name. That doesn't ring. But Batman is a lunatic. He is crazy. Everyone likes to think he's not, and but he fucking is. Yeah, he is crazy. crazy. Can I? I can I go? Yeah, yeah. So Batman is is like Paul said. He's crazy. He dresses up as a as a bat, and he's driven. 100% 100% by the grief of the death of his mom and his dad, who were the two most important things in his life, and still might be. And um, Poor the, Alfred. And that name Always the clearly resonates in a big, big way with him. Yeah, it's kind of, you can, I think, kind of say it like that, where it's like, oh, because his parents, the, their moms have the same name, so he stopped beating the shit out of them. He says it, and he doesn't understand why Clark is saying his mom's name. Right. And in that... In, I'm with you. And in that moment, the last thing he expects to hear is his mother's name. Right. Right. I wish that we would have had... And then Lois comes in and, you know, you know it's his mom's name. I, and that was a powerful moment for me. I, I thought it was delivered well by Ben Affleck when he's like, why did you say that name? And he I was, thought it was delivered well by Amy Adams when... She's like, right. it's his mother's name. Just that panic, like, don't fucking kill him. You don't know what you're doing. Right, right. And I get that by by him saying, by her saying, you know, it's his mother's name. Then you, then you humanize this guy that you've been calling an alien and a monster for the entire flick. I get that. I understand it. It seemed weird. It also seems weird that after, so all that business happens, and then he's getting back in the Batwing, and Alfred's like, oh, by the way, I've been listening this whole time, so I tracked down this thing. You would think that Alfred would come in on the calm, like, hey, man, like, maybe you shouldn't kill this dude or have some. Because Alfred has been, you know, the Jiminy Cricket to his Batman, to his Pinocchio this whole time. You would think that Alfred, if he can communicate, would have some kind of, like, stabilizing thoughts. But at the same time, as, as much as Alfred is Bruce's conscience, he's still subservient to Bruce. And did he not try to reason with him beforehand? I mean, yeah, even yeah. even at the beginning, though, you're gonna start a war, blah, suicide, blah. blah. Yeah, and but Alfred is still subservient to Bruce, even though he doesn't agree with him. He's still gonna do what Bruce says. I feel like after you know you have the Martha, you have Lois swoop in. It's his mother, and then maybe you have the last thing that jumps in to sway him is Alfred, who has been there the whole time, telling him. Maybe you're fucking crazy and you don't need to be doing all this. Maybe that should be the last Maybe. thing that pushes him back and he's like, okay, I think that would make more sense to me. That's a nitpick. 
Again, doesn't break the movie for me. Yeah, but I, I, I hear you, but what did happen was acceptable, too, with Lois Lane being, you know, Superman's... Not Superman's Jimmy Cricket, but more like Superman's... Slam Fairy piece? Godmother? I don't know. Slam piece, yeah. So, um, in and, the way that and, she and at that up, point, you've got... You've got an innocent civilian injecting and, herself into this battle. That's gonna, that's gonna shift his shift the gears in his brain and make him right second while, guess things. While I guess it was a little convoluted having them fight the way they did, I really struggle to think of many comic book examples where heroes fight heroes where it's not kind of convoluted. We're gonna get a good one pretty soon. In Civil, Civil War, War is gonna make sense. It, it probably, <laughs> but it doesn't. It, but it's still just as silly. Well, hold on, because but, we but know it, Iron Man okay, and Captain America. Right, well, but so, but why do they fight, Paul? Tell me why they fight. Let me finish my thought. Let me for the same. Okay. So, um, I don't really think that it was like it, it still made sense. Like Lex Luthor wanted to eliminate Superman. He was gonna manipulate uh, Superman. By kidnapping and tormenting his mother, which was kind of dark. It kind of reminded me of, like, The Killing Joke. Joke. Those were some rape pictures. And and I liked that, because it Mm -hmm. was like, wow, Lex Luthor's pretty rotten. And and he thought this was the way to have Superman fight Batman, and I guess he was pretty confident Batman would figure out a way to, you know, get rid of... um, uh, soups. But at that point, Lex knew that, that his kryptonite had been stolen anyway by Batman because Batman left his calling card. And which, he knows who both of them... Right. He knew from the party right. who both of those people were. Too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, it was convoluted, I guess, but like it wasn't Wait, that you bad. you think Lex knew who Clark was at the party? Yeah. Yeah. Didn't he? No. He I didn't. think he did. No, he knew... He knew. I think he knew the whole time. No, the only the first time he knew who Clark was was once he got onto the the ship. How did he? Okay, but weren't you just saying that the entire reason why they baited Superman was with Lois Lane in Africa? That's how they got Superman there. He knew. He just had to verify. Wait, wait, that wait, was wait. the verification. No, well, hold on, hold on. Well, but maybe it's maybe, a setup for Superman, maybe right? Superman, that, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean that's Clark Kent. It means that Superman is always saving Lois Lane. Right. And then, he, and then a well, genius figures that shit well, out no. from a guy that clearly looks like Superman. No, he, well, he's, in this he's world, looking, people can't put that. He's looking. I, I give Lex credit. Look, he's, he's gonna figure it out. He's looking for Superman at that point, and he knows in the. 18 months since Man of Steel happened. You know, there's some connection between Superman. Right. Superman and Lois Lane. But then he enters the Kryptonian ship with Zod's fingerprints, and he's like... And the ship's like, you know, we have the entire universe's files. What do you want to know? And he's like, tell me everything. And that's when he learns about yeah be, yeah because why wouldn't he go after Martha Kent before then he, he because that's that's the first time he learns who this Superman is up until be, that point he's just trying to get Superman now he's trying no, to get he, well he who didn't go Superman he didn't is. he didn't go after Superman after he went in the Kryptonian thing and learned he went after after the bat signal was up and he was like oh tonight's the night and called his goons to go get but he her. set that up after he was in that Kryptonian He's been chamber. setting it up for two years. He says it. 
But he, yeah, he's he been says he's up, been setting it up for two years. He's been setting up Superman. I need to see it But he only learns who. No, he says I've been. He says something like uh, that dude's hatred fruit is ripe now. It took me two years, but now he's ready. Like he's been setting all this shit up for two years. Right. He's been setting Batman up to kill Superman, not Clark Kent, because he only found out who Clark was when he accessed the Kryptonian files. And then he's and then he's like, oh fuck. Well, that makes this all the easier because now you're Clark Kent. Now I can go get your fucking mom. And now all this, now all of this makes. Then sense. the Africa stuff doesn't. The Africa trap, which they say that was a trap for Superman. That's the big reveal. It was a trap. Who was for it a Su- trap for? It was a trap for Superman. Right. It using wasn't Lois tra- Lane, who is dating Clark Kent, right. which is easy to no. figure out. Lex isn't a fucking retard in it this movie, man. It wasn't a trap for Clark Kent. It was a trap for Superman. Which then he figures out that he's fucking Superman. Yeah, and he knows the whole movie, dude. And then the and then the pieces get put together. He finds out how okay. He how, knows the whole fucking movie. He finds out in that shit who everybody is. You're inferring. You're inferring from what we know that he knows this entire time. There are no concrete clues except what the movie tells you that when the ship is like, "Hey, we've got the answers to the universe." You're inferring, you. you're inferring that he asks who Superman, who Batman is. You're inferring that. they don't. He doesn't come out and ask any of that. No, he doesn't. He says, tell me everything. And it's a Kryptonian ship, which Superman has piloted with his own DNA and his own access. Like, that ship knows everything about Kal-El and Clark and Martha think and that, Jonathan. Do you think that he can't figure that shit out for himself? After he sets the trap, specifically for Superman, who he's trying to defeat this entire movie? I'm not busting your shit up for inferring. I agree. Lex, for his... I'm just using what the movie has told me. As awful of a Lex Luthor as Jesse Eisenberg was, he's a genius. And he should know all this stuff. Bruce Wayne should know all this stuff. You know, Wonder Woman, been alive, who the fuck knows how long? At least 100 years, she should know all this stuff. But... The way the movie sets everything up, you don't know Lex knows until the ship tells him. I think that's not giving Lex credit if he's setting a trap for Superman using Lois's bait and then puts those two things together. Because he's not trying to catch Clark Kent. He's trying to catch Superman. So Why yeah, wouldn't you find out who your enemy is after you're like, well, that's pretty fucking weird. Because maybe, maybe you should give Clark some more credit. And he's for, capable. Well, of I don't give him any credit because his radar because you can see his long. face all the time, and he looks and he has a shitty disguise, and he doesn't even change his personality whenever he's Clark Kent. Well, I give him no credit. Yeah, he's fucking Superman all the time. But that's part of the mythology of Superman. We know he looks the same. Glasses don't change anything. People just don't get it. That's the mythology of Superman. Are you, do you think if Matt rolled in tonight? With a Batman cowl, we wouldn't know who that fucking was, that's even the, if he had a voice modulator. It's the mythology of the McSauce comic Would be book like, podcast. I know that flavor saver. I see it every Monday. Like, it's, yeah, that's that. You can't use the, I don't know what Superman looks like argument, because it's a comic book argument, and it doesn't exist. I'm using the trap and the knowledge that this character has, his intelligence to figure things out. That's what I'm using. 
He set a trap and then was like, oh, okay, I fucking Yeah, he set a trap for Superman. And then when he tried to create Doomsday, he was like, oh, fuck, this guy's Clark Kent. The ship just told me. Because that's what the movie tells us. It doesn't tell you that. It doesn't tell you that that's the moment that that happens. It does tell you that he sets a trap specifically for Superman using Lois. Right. Who is dating Clark Kent, who looks like Superman. Yeah. And uh, maybe that happened, but that's not No, what... that's exactly what happened in the movie, Paul. That's exactly what fucking happened in the movie. Yeah, but that's what you're inferring. But you're saying that that's he what went and asked... context clues. No, I'm I'm stating the events that happened Dude, in the movie. He says, tell And me. then you said, tell me everything, but that doesn't mean... Yeah. That's not... He doesn't what do you, say... What do you think? Lex Luthor is a fucking genius looking for all of the answers of the universe. Do you think the computer is going to be like, you think that hey, after you, he finds do you want to know who Superman is? And he's like, no, 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 no. Don't he, tell me. I want to know other stuff. He, because he already knew. You think that when he's finding out how to splice fucking Kryptonian DNA and finding out about Darkseid, do you think that he's getting hung up on some shit he already knew because he figured it out himself in the first ten minutes of the fucking Ian, movie? Ian, look, we know a lot of stuff about this movie. That a lot of other people don't know. But we can make up things too, right, Paul? You can make that up. You, that it you told are making me. things up. I'm not making yes, anything you up. you are inferring. I'm not inferring. I'm taking, you are, I'm taking exactly what the movie has told us. Up until that point. Right, the trap. In the movie. The, the trap in that the movie, he set. Right, go, go ahead, Paul. Go ahead. In the plot of the movie, mm-hmm. up until that point, Lex Luthor doesn't know who Superman is. He's setting traps for Lex, he's setting traps for Superman. And then when he goes into the ship... So you're telling me that he's not trying to figure out who Superman is after he sets these traps using Clark Kent's girlfriend? I'm sure he's been... I'm sure he's been trying to find out who Superman is this entire time. But he understands at this point there's a connection between Superman and Lois Lane. And only until he's on the Kryptonian ship that says... I have the answers to all of the universe. He doesn't. He that, says, "Teach he me." He doesn't. He doesn't ask who's Superman because he already fucking knows. He doesn't know. But he doesn't ask who Superman is either. Yeah, that's and, you inferring. Yeah, and we know. And we know Lex Luthor. And we know how smart he is. And we know he's gonna put stuff together. And we know Bruce Wayne should put stuff together. And we know Perry White should put stuff together because they're not fucking dumb. And I think he but, does whenever Lois Lane comes in and she says, hey, this is, I need a helicopter. And he's like, I'm not giving you a helicopter. And she's like, this is personal. And he's yeah. like, oh, we'll take the copter. Because he also figured that fucking shit out too. Because everybody fucking knows. Okay. Yeah, but that's, that's inference. That's inference because there's, but there's something in the movie. There's a, there's a, there's dialogue in the movie where... Lex learns everything. There's no dialogue that says Perry learns everything. And I'm I'm not I'm inferring that. I'm inferring that Perry knows. I'm taking what the movie has told me. Yeah, I know Lex is a genius and he should know all this stuff from the very beginning. Even as silly as he is, he should know all this stuff from the start. But I'm only taking the actual points from the movie that tell us what's happening. And I, I will. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm going to. I'm knew. going to agree to disagree with you because we've been beating this into the ground. Neither of us are going to move on this point because we both think that we're right. So let's move on to something else. How about Lex Luthor 
the character of Lex Luthor. Did we like it? Did we hate it? We all went in thinking that we were going to hate it. Did we actually hate it? Yes. We did hate it. I saw it twice. I I really tried to like it better the second time I didn't. I fucking hated him. There's there's no better Lex Luthor than Clancy Brown in the animated series. I don't know why they won't fucking make him Clancy Brown from the animated series. There's no way to get past seeing Jesse Eisenberg as evil Mark Zuckerberg. Or or just regular Mark Zuckerberg, however. Or Joker with a red wig. Yeah, he did a lot of Heath Ledger jokery kind of things. And I don't think it was effective. I get the juxtaposition of big, super strong Superman against skinny, nerdy Lex Luthor. I get that. That's okay. But the way that he portrayed that character was just too fucking wacky. It's more compelling to me that Lex Luthor is so smooth and sly that he can just slide his way through the justice system. And no matter what Superman pins on him, He's Nothing able to just fucking slip out of it. Yeah. Like, and and then fucking rub Superman's face in it. That's Lex Luthor. Like, the guy that fucking works out and could kick everyone's ass in the room, but has a bodyguard anyway. That's That should be who Lex Luthor is. I don't know why they don't use that Lex Luthor. That's who Brian Cranston should have been. Put him on that Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill workout diet and get him ripped to be the most badass Lex Luthor there could have been. And instead, we get fucking Jesse Eisenberg. And I was really pulling for this kid. I really was. I wanted him to just get it together and maybe by the third act of the movie he was going to get serious. He'd stop feeding people Jolly Ranchers. And then licking his fingers after they are in that dude's which was, mouth. Which Ooh. was a... I, I thought it, that was it reminded me of you. <laughs> Like yeah, but I I I like that Paul I like Luther. that bit, but I thought at the end he would become the Lex Luthor. But he was even wackier in that final yeah, scene, and, oh, and I was like, scene. "Fuck, I don't want oh, them. God, the I don't want to see Lex Luthor anymore now." And I understand like the ding 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 ding. It's like the pinging of the mother box that's coming. Ooh, and I, look I how the, deep cut. I didn't get. I that. get the correlation with that, but at the same time, like there's, like. So, but that's me inferring that while he's learning all the secrets of the universe, he sends some signal off into space and Darkseid finds it and somehow he knows Darkseid's coming. No, he says he's coming. We see a glimpse of the future. That's not inferring. That's taking hints that this story is providing you and putting them together. I I just... Is that the definition of inference? I wanted, <laughs> I wanted a, a hardcore Lex Luthor that could really stand up next to Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And be a titan of business and industry, not just super villainy. And this dude fucking sucks. I fucking hate Jesse Eisenberg so bad. Just as much as I hate how underutilized Superman was in this movie. What a waste. Yeah, I didn't like that either. He, he stunk. Matt, yeah, what do you I don't, think? I'm going to have to disagree. You like uh, Oh, no. Really? Oh, boy. Uh-huh. Yeah. That was yeah. Uh, And I know that he is one of the easy targets of hatred for this movie, but um, I don't... We're not sharpshooting here for whatever target comes up closest. No, I understand that. And I, I don't mean anything by that for you guys. I'm sure you legitimately didn't like him, but 
I think the internet hatred for him is pretty intense. It's palpable. And I personally don't really see it. Um, I, what I do understand is that he wasn't a uh, an accurate portrayal of what we've come to know out of Lex Luthor, especially in the modern age of comic books. Uh, from what I understand, at least visually with the long red hair, he looks more like how he was supposed to initially in the comics when he was introduced. Uh, so that was kind of cool. I did like the visual juxtaposition of Jesse Eisenberg next to Clark or Henry Cavill or Bruce Wayne. Um, you know, I we got a lot of big beefy motherfuckers in this movie. We don't necessarily need any more. This is kind of cool. I'm I'm behind it. Um, I liked how he started out as kind of kind of normal, eccentric maybe, but but normal. And as the film progresses, each time you see him, you see a, a layer kind of peeled back for, from him where you just see, like, the evil every time. There's just a little bit more every time you see him. But I feel and, like I'd be okay with evil. I, the layers that were peeled back, it also seemed to peel back psychosis. And he started getting crazier and crazier. Absolutely. I could deal with... I'd, I'd like him to be... Typical Jesse Eisenberg when we meet him and be a more stern version by the end of the film. I think that would have been yeah, he, uh, better there's no There's no doubt he loses his shit before this is all over, especially at the very end. But, but speaking of the very end, when he was there behind bars and his face was pressed up against those bars, you didn't need any creepy prosthetics. A bald Jesse Eisenberg smashing his face against bars where his eyebrows are being pushed up in an evil manner was nightmarish. It's not like all yeah. smearing the he bars. Was intense. And, and he has allowed his hatred for Superman to basically make him go crazy. He turned... It's like what Bob Wiley did to Richard Dreyfus and What About Bob almost. Was that a deep cut? No, but you go to the What About Bob well often. Well, why wouldn't I? True. So, uh, when was the last time I made a Bob? You made, Bob you've friends? made them often. Please dig them out. I will comments. not. I will do no such thing. <laughs> um, but I actually, like, I am not all that well-schooled on Lex Luthor. I know generally what Lex Luthor is. He's a foil to Superman, and he's smart, and he's cunning. Well, this this Lex Luthor was smart. He was just kind of nuts, like, a lot nuts. And I was okay with it. I was. Like, I I liked the little sequence where he, like, fed the, yeah, the guy I, the I Charlie like, There were like little bits that he, that he did he, that were okay. And he uncomfortably pushed it all the way into his mouth and then licked his fingers. Like, great little touch. I didn't see any Heath Ledger out of it. I feel like he did some more Heath Ledger-y kind of things when he's on the helipad and he's talking to Superman. And he's he was... Or when he was getting Doomsday ready, he was like, oh, roast, roast uh, Krypton coming right up. And it, like, it was just a little wacky. Yeah, it wasn't Heath Ledger-y mm -hmm. stuff. It was... It was his own take on how crazy he is with the the nervous tics and the stuttering and he fucks up the speech in the middle of you know his the the congregation. But I kind of like some of those speeches that he was that, doing. Yeah, but that's the time you want like Lex in front of people is when Lex needs to be 
the fucking man. Right. He, he needs to cater. Totally. Totally. To every one of these people, they need to believe he's the guy. Because if in he's going to run for president right, at some point. Because in the comics, we he was need the president. To believe in this guy. But this isn't exactly the comics. That's why Batman's shooting people through the face. That's why uh, this Lex Luthor um, isn't totally smooth in front of well, the populace. Before and, the 80s, Lex was a mad scientist right. Thru- throughout the and he's what he is here is like a tech genius wonderkin throughout the decades Lex Luthor has changed to represent what you know, Americans feel is like the evil or scariest a scientist in the fucking wacky 50s is pretty scary but what's scary in the 80s a businessman what's scary in the 90s a president those but, are the things that yeah, Lex changes uh, <clears throat> to but I, I feel like the animated series Lex still works best because he's still he's still a super genius. I, I he's agree still with in you. charge of all this tech. I agree and too that he's in charge of this fucking company. Like he's the guy and he's not afraid I of gotcha. anyone. Seriously, I, I'm not going to argue that 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 version isn't better necessarily, but Frankly, we've already gotten that in two iterations. You know, Gene Hackman and no, Kevin Spacey. No, we didn't. We got a little less silly Joker's version. We have never gotten comic book or animated series version of Lex Luthor on screen. Never. Neither version. I liked when he was giving the speech, and it seemed like it was all an act at first when he's making jokes and he is stuttering. And then when he starts talking about how... Um, what knowledge is power and you know absolute knowledge without power is no good he dropped it seemed like he dropped the facade and was serious and that was the real Lex Luthor right. and I like that I wish he would have went more with that towards the end of the film than going crazier yeah and like I I get I get that but Lex to me is always the inverse of Bruce Wayne he's then, competent He's charming. He's suave. He doesn't drop his cool. Shouldn't he, he be is the inverse of Clark Kent? Of every situation. Shouldn't he be the inverse of Clark Kent? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. I, I get what you're me, saying. It doesn't need to be. Paul, I, I like one to one who the bad guy is. Well, Bruce Wayne is competent and suave and charming. Yeah, exactly. But Lex Luthor is all of that, but doing all of the wrong things. Getting into, uh, I love the line where he says like our R and D is up to all, all kinds of no good. Yeah, I like that. Like, too. I love that stuff. And if it was delivered by Brian Cran- Brian Cranston playing Clancy Brown's Lex Luthor, it would have chilled me to the bone. And as good as that line was, built around like all the other silliness and all the stuttering and everything that Jesse Eisenberg was doing, yeah. it just didn't ring as threatening. Because I'm like, oh well. I could beat you up. Yeah, I think that was kind of the point. Um, they wanted somebody that is as unimposing as humanly possible, and they wanted everything to be more threatening with his, you know, his plans. Um, you know, I think that the the perfect example is you didn't realize quite how fucking diabolical this Lex Luthor is until he blew up the Senate. And then you're like, holy shit, he blew up his right-hand man just to make a point? This guy is crazy. 
And I liked that because holy when, crap, even when he's leaving the helipad, and he's he, and he tells Clark, he's like, "When you got here, you had an hour. Now you've got less than that." And he just gets on the helicopter. You're like, "Holy shit!" And there are some legitimately chilling scenes from him. I think and I'm not totally off the fence from Jesse Eisenberg Lex, but it's far enough that I wanted. I can't help but want something else. I'm going to give the credit to that. to the dialogue because this movie had a lot of really great lines that are memorable lines. And I and Lex had a bunch of them just delivered kind of clunky or not from the right, you know, not from the right actor. So I, I where I, I'd love to say uh, Jesse Eisenberg delivered that. I think that this movie just had great dialogue. It, it did. Um so I know we're kind of starting to run pretty long here, uh, but it was necessary. We had a lot to talk about, but uh, before we wrap it up, I do want to kind of give my my final biggest gripe overall with this movie, and I and it was a problem that I had as I was watching the movie. There was no real sense of awe or surprise in this movie because everything was revealed in the trailers. My problem wasn't exactly with the movie. It was with the marketing of the movie and the fact that we saw all the great reveals, all the great moments in the trailers. Well, I think you have to take a little bit of that back because we all just agreed that we were surprised that they killed Superman. And with the Senate bombing. But I do agree True. with True. them showing too much. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Right, okay. Yeah. Yes, there, there are a couple moments, but I'm talking like reveals like... Um, Wonder Woman in particular, Doomsday would be another one, um, and then and then there's a lot of iconic moments that were from the trailers that were in the movie, and they were like some of the best parts. And I just was like, why didn't you save that for the movie? It, it, nothing felt fresh. Like it just felt like extended versions of everything that I saw. Like we fucking saw that movie in trailers. Just much, much smaller parts. Yeah. And that was the problem because I went in and I felt like I kind of saw it already. And that really let me down. It wasn't that, oh, the dialogue is clunky or it was too long and I didn't like Jesse Eisenberg. No, no, no. My big problem was without a doubt the fact that I felt like I saw it already because they showed everything. They played their hand or revealed their hand so fucking early and so much it like it makes me think you know what maybe i do have to just avoid trailers altogether because if think about if you hadn't seen all those trailers how much different your experience would have been like as jazzed as we were that we got to see some of those batman fighting bits in the late the last trailer right. i wish that i would have seen that for the first time in the theater yep because that would have had a bigger impact because you saw a lot of that fight in the trailer and that was probably my favorite part of the film was oh, batman so just cool. kicking the fucking shit out of people um i agree with you matt i feel like there were so many parts where you're like oh okay well this is the part of the trailer that i saw well this is that next part and there's so many lines maybe that's what made me think like oh these, these this dialogue's are great and it's so iconic right. well i've heard it a bunch already right. like batman whenever he says oh shit and he's about to get fried and Wonder Woman shows up and saves him. Why Why did they show that in the trailer? How cool would that have been if we 
didn't know that Wonder Woman, that, you would have thought that you know maybe Superman comes to back down, or maybe Doomsday right. Mister, maybe who knows? But Wonder Woman shows up. Right, it's such a great moment. The, like ruined. we should have never even seen anything Wonder Woman in those trailers. Nothing, nothing. I agree. If anything, Diana, fine, show her a couple times, but whatever. But never show Wonder Woman in those trailers. Um, Doomsday should have never been shown in those trailers. I agree. Um, and those are those were the two big ones. But like aside from that, there were like other little parts here and there that were just. I just don't get it. Why were they there? Um, this movie, people were gonna see it without the those reveals. It just it killed so much of the of the excitement for me. Yeah, I, and and my my biggest gripe is just I I feel like it was overstuffed. There was too much going on. I think it would have been better served if they would have <clears throat> sliced this movie in half and really gave time for the characters to grow and expand. In if you slice it in half, you do half of it at the beginning and maybe add some more Batman bits for a movie that comes out in March, and then maybe you put another movie in November where. You have more of the Superman stuff, and you let him kind of tell a story. Superman didn't really have a, a role in this movie, so that kind of let me down. It makes me sad because I don't know if we're going to see another Superman proper movie. He'll be in Justice League, and he'll be in the other movies. I think I'll get another Superman yeah, movie. I, I do. I yeah, do. it makes me fearful that we won't. I, I, I don't think that's the case. I think we're going to get Justice League, and I think we're going to get Superman. Because there's going to be two Justice League movies... And I just think Henry Cavill's going to be Superman for more than that. I do. Uh, and rightfully so, because he is a great Superman. And I want to see more. And I want to see more happy Superman. I do, too. You know? Like, whenever he saves the fucking cat out of the tree, and he's flying away, and he, like, calls back, see you later. Like, where's that? Put that in there. Um, we should probably do our... Our ratings, our grades for this or film. Or Polynomics. Well, Polynomics, I was a 10 and a 10. Then I saw that latest trailer and I went down to a 9 and a 9. Well, I mean, is, is, is Polynomics also... Because Polynomics is more of a trailer leading into you right, know, its expectation right. and yeah polynomics well, experience. is more reserved. I forget what the two it's, things it's are. excitement plus excitement expectations or, or ratio of excitement to expectations. I don't know. These anyway. are like our final... Numbers. Right, these are our final numbers. They're, these aren't really the uh, polynomics anymore. Polynomics have come and gone. Now or maybe it's, it's a maybe this is trickle down polynomics. Who knows? Trickle down polynomics. Who wants Pyr to go first? Pyramid polynomics, Paul. Because this is named after you, why don't you go first? Uh, I'm gonna give it a seven. I think that's a respectable score because, like we talked about, certainly tonight. This movie is not without its flaws, but it's got some shit going on that is really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, uh, you know what, I've, I, I've had a hard, I've, I've seen it twice, and I've had a real hard time with this movie the last couple of days, because the, the movie I related closest to is Green Lantern. Really? Yeah, and that, like, there's, Why? there's so many things that get tens across the board. But there are so and many Green things Lantern? that get zeros. See, I feel that way with Amazing Spider-Man 2, but I didn't feel that way with Green Lantern. Yeah, the first five minutes of Green Lantern, ten. There's, well, there's a there's a lot of stuff in Green Lantern that's really fucking good. 
But there's just as many things in Green Lantern that are bad, and that's how I feel about this movie. There's so much, so much I loved about it. But there's a lot of things that they just drop the ball entirely. Hmm. Like, um, you know, like after watching Man of Steel, I'm like, man, Zack Snyder, you, you fucking get it. You know, you know how to write a Superman story. And then I watched Batman v Superman, and I'm like, you've never seen this guy before. You don't know who this is. You have no idea who Superman is. That's how I felt, too. I and felt that, like, like Superman was an afterthought in a movie that had his name Yeah, in the I mean, title. It's, it's Superman, like, guest stars in a Batman movie. Like, uh, there's so many things I, I wanted and expected from this movie that I just didn't get. And I think, I think a seven's probably pretty generous for me, especially coming from Man of Steel, which gave, which gives me so much to chew on and so much to think about and, like, so much emotional investment. And then I, I, I watch this one and I'm like, yeah, all the, there's, like, so many cool fighting scenes and Wonder Woman's great and I love when Doomsday kicks the shit out of her and she fucking smiles at him and she's like, yeah, let's do this. Like, that stuff is so cool. But then, like, all the emotional beats that we should feel. Like, we need to be invested in who these characters are as people before we care about who they are as superheroes. Just are non-existent. Well, it was a tricky thing because they didn't start there. I mean, we kind of did with Superman because, you know, he had a whole movie to, to develop. But... Um, you know, Batman and Wonder Woman were just thrown right into the thick of it. But at the same time, we already know Batman so well, so he's kind of like not a, exactly a fair uh, example. But Wonder Woman, yeah, we don't know anything yet. We're going to go back and get that. Maybe it'll change the way we look at this movie, too. You know, let's say they make those Batman prequels and they obviously they'll make the, the Wonder Woman prequel. It could seriously affect the way that we see this movie going forward. Ian, what do you give this movie? Yeah, man, I've been going back and forth since Saturday. It's a tough one. It um, is. It's like a moving target. Be- <laughs> because there are so many great, so many great moments, but there also are just stuff that fell completely off the side of the cliff for me. I'm gonna have to go six. I saw it again. I just watched it again. I went in knowing what I was getting, excited about certain things. And there were certain beats that I just couldn't get past. I liked it a lot. I'm very excited for the future of the DC Cinematic Universe. I think it's in great hands. I'm jazzed for Suicide Squad. I can't wait for Wonder Woman. They need to make that Batman movie immediately. And I want to see another standalone Superman movie. So for that, it was successful. It's cute. But for what this movie was, I give it a six. Matt, what do you got? Give us a number. Eight. Ooh. <laughs> I, oh. I came away. Round really, of shots around the table. That's what that deserves. I, I came away from this movie having been captivated for two and a half hours. While there were things that I didn't love, like, for example, the score was a was a big one for me. I thought there were some dumb things like that I just kind of was like, eh. There wasn't anything that I was just like, oh my god, why did you do that that like yanks you out of the movie? Like, um, like midi-chlorians or something like that. Th- there was nothing th- that egregious. But there was really great shit. Mm-hmm. Um, there, was, there were so many like oh, 
cool. That's so cool moments all the way until the end with the Superman funeral, which was ripped right out of the pages of the comic book that for me, that being like my favorite Superman story really, really resonated with me. It was, I felt like, like out of all the comic book movies that I've seen, and when I say that, I guess I'm talking about Marvel and DC. This was the one that just felt like the comic book coming to life more than like any of them. Maybe Spider-Man beats it in that regard, but other than that, nothing. Nothing else. Even like Winter Soldier or things like that. This was the one that just just reminded me of those great stories that I read when I was a lot younger. So like there's some nostalgia built in because of that. But this movie might get a 7 from me if it wasn't for the amazing art direction of it. That, in and of itself, whether you even like the movie or not, you can't watch that and think, this is anything but gorgeous. I mean, it was that good looking a movie. It really was. Um, you know, I realize this is March and we just had the Academy Awards, but when the Academy Awards roll around, this movie better get considered, at least for like cinematography, for God's sakes. And I also want to point out, we barely touched on it, that Batmobile sequence was fucking awesome. It was fucking cool. And the Batmobile was really cool, too. I like that. I like the Batwing a whole lot. His gadgets were cool. His Batcave was really cool. I like how everything was kind of suspended from the mm -hmm. ceiling in the Batcave. It was... And of all the things we talked about tonight, there's tons of stuff we didn't talk about mm -hmm. tonight. We gave the supersized, deluxe version, Batman v Superman. Any of you out there that want to react to this review, hit us up on Facebook. Let what? us know what your what your thoughts are. I think I, I'm not. I'm sorry to interrupt, Ian. That's uh, right. But I, I want to say we can agree here at McSauce that this was not the 28 percent that the critics say it is. No. Uh, no. Or, or deserving of the hatred. That no. it's getting online. This is much better than that. Um, again, not without its flaws for sure, but I think we're fair here on the Exhaust Conflict podcast, and we rated this movie fairly. Yeah, I, I had a really good time seeing this movie. I did recommend it to a number of people. The length, I think, would be a problem for some people, as well as the deep cut nature of some of the stuff, because it is. It, it's a it's a movie made for comic book fans. It really is. And that appealed to me, but I can tell you that just sitting in the audience, I could hear people groaning and what the fucking and stuff like that. So maybe it wasn't for everyone. Well, because it's not a Marvel slapstick comedy. And that's the thing that I bothers me the most is, well, it wasn't funny at all. Is that the current status quo is that is that what a comic yes. book movie has Coming to be now if it is then you're a fucking moron if that's your barometer well, then you were a fucking dumbass. we're coming off the heels of deadpool and i think some of us here on the mcsauce comic book podcast gave that movie like a nine or something it was really good it was exactly what it needed to and be. and that was comic gold and when I say comic, I don't mean comic book. I mean hilarious, right? Waka waka. But, but this movie obviously wasn't. This is a completely different animal. But 
if it's a comic book movie, it's got to be hilarious to, to a large segment of the movie-going audience. But, Paul, like you said, well, what did you say? They're morons. Fucking morons. Buffins. Dumbasses. Dumbasses. All of the above. I select answer D. All of the above. <laughs> That's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you for listening. My name is Paul Manson. Ian Sharpley. Matt Casal. We'll see you next time. Guys, it's 9.30. Let's get this fucker in under an hour. Alright. Stay focused tonight and stay on point. Stay on target. Stay on target. Today's date? 28th. What day? March. Or Monday. That's okay. Yeah.